the focus uh, for the next uh, several weeks is going to be on <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer, if you want to more accurately describe it that way. Depending on what your journey has been, the Lord's Prayer may be very familiar territory. Uh, if you grew up in a liturgical church where that was a normal incorporated piece <clears throat> of the service each Sunday, you knew precisely when, <clears throat> when that was going to happen because the leader, whether it was a pastor or the liturgist, would say, who taught us to pray? Ta-da-da. You know, that kind of thing. Um, for some people, the Lord's Prayer uh, might be uh, a little more associated with something they had to do to compensate uh, for some bad deeds along the way. Uh, you go and uh, <clears throat> somebody tells you, you need to pray so many pater nosters, uh, our fathers, or other prayers that you pray to kind of you know, do, do penance to kind of make up things. Um, and even when we use the Lord's Prayer once in a while in non-liturgical churches, most Alliance churches are tending more to be non-liturgical, uh, even if it's been a long while since you've used the Lord's Prayer, somehow it just kind of comes right back to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And you go, you go through it. You, you, can, you can almost recite that in your sleep. You probably could. Uh, it's a familiar thing. And we have this phrase, we say, familiarity breeds contempt. And I don't want us to miss the richness of this very simple disciples' prayer that Jesus gives to us. You can blast through it in a service and pronounce the words <clears throat> and let it go right past you. So we're going to deliberately slow down and dissect that prayer uh, in order that we can allow the weight of it to capture our hearts. Now, the, the sermon title that I'm using today is I Call Him Daddy. <clears throat> and that in itself is moving to an area, moving to a, an emphasis that perhaps you're not comfortable with. Because you want to keep God a little bit more highly revered than saying, Dad. Because Dad is a familiar phrase. Uh, it's a more intimate phrase, but we'll come to that. So I, I, I have to be careful, even as I use that title, when we come to Matthew chapter 6. Now, if you're not in the habit of uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer, use the Lord's Prayer, here's what I'd like to suggest to you. Every day during this duration of this series of messages, I want you somewhere, somehow, to incorporate the Lord's Prayer into your day. Just, you know, maybe the first thing when your feet hit the floor. Maybe it's the last thing when you crawl into bed. Whatever it is, to just go through that very deliberately and ask the Lord to just kind of open up some stuff 
from that very simple prayer for your benefit, for, for, your, for your good. So if, if, we, if we're saying, okay, let's, <clears throat> let's look and see what the scriptures are for the day, you go to Matthew chapter 6. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's context. If you wanted to find a parallel account in Luke, he will, he will, he will not incorporate it in the Lord's Prayer. He'll record, incorporate it into a teaching section where the disciples come to him and say, Lord, we, we want to teach us how to pray. And he says, here's how you ought to pray. So regardless of whether the context is, in fact, Sermon on the Mount or if it's a separate teaching time beside the point, very similar, uh, the passage in the Matthew 6 and in the Gospel of Luke, they're, they're very similar, and we can, we can work with that. But verse 9 in particular, simply put, this then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that's as far as we go today. Um, I want us, as we slow down, to be captured by the wonders of the simplicity of a prayer, of this prayer in particular. And so, so let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it. And, and, and like I say, it's, it's going to slow down, pull it apart. <clears throat> First, I want you to see the wonder of community. In prayer, community in prayer. I know that we live in a very personalized time and we want to find out how we can make things more personal. And I really want prayer to be personal for you. Some people would, would take a prayer like this and, and try to personalize it and say, My Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life, even as it's done in heaven. And we want to personalize it from that side. But, but, he begins the instructional prayer, our Father. But the emphasis on our for the first part when we talk about community, it's about us. It's more than just about me. When you offer this prayer, you're declaring that you are not alone. <clears throat> Last Sunday, we got iced out down in Harrisburg area, and so we just felt not going to chance the trip. You can call me a chicken or a coward or whatever you want, but just deal, deal with it. So, But we listened to a sermon preached by a black brother at, in Pittsburgh. It's the wonder of being able to remotely get on. And, and, here, and, and he was talking about the, whole, the tension that exists between times when we may feel lonely and alone. There are times when you may feel lonely, but you're never alone. When you pray this prayer, our Father, you're declaring that you are not alone. One of the consequences, probably, I don't know, probably not intended at all, unintended consequences of this whole pandemic thing is people are feeling rather isolated and feeling very much alone. They're segregated from family or friends. They're distanced from people that they normally would have rubbed shoulders with on many settings or occasions. And they're feeling very lonely, isolated. You may, you may, you may be so glad to talk to somebody, you might even talk to a telemarketer. You know, you're just at that point where you just want to have somebody to talk to. <clears throat> Hopefully it's not that bad. But at, at any rate... 
when we say our Father, we're always reminding ourselves about the place of community in prayer. It's about us. We're in it together. In 1 John 3, he says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's the plural concept. It's the our concept. It's community in prayer. And when you offer this prayer, you are saying, you're making a declaration, you will not live in isolation. You will not live in isolation. There's something, uh, even when we, when we pray the Lord's Prayer corporately, there's something about confessional uh, prayer or, or even a confessional creed that, that brings us into a place of togetherness where we get our head focused and wrapped around that whole aspect. So <clears throat> as we begin, when we talk about our Father, always keep in mind that it was intended as community. It was intended for corporate. And while we personalize it, and we may say that Lord's Prayer ourselves, it was intended to be inclusive, incorporating us into something bigger than, our, <coughs> than ourselves. <clears throat> There's the wonder of community in prayer. There's something, there's something healthy, there's something good about being a part of something, something bigger than you. I, I realize that <clears throat> in our day, with all this stuff going on, there have been a lot of changes. Uh, State College has not had 106,000 people gathering together on a Saturday very much. <clears throat> but there was something amazing about that sense of community, although I'm not sure if it really is true community, but there was a whole bunch of people gathered together. Whether it was a, a whiteout or whatever it would be, there was something that was kind of like, whoa, man, we're in this. We're, you know, we're, we're invincible, you know, and that kind of ourness. When we come together and simply make those statements, our Father, we're saying we're in this together. This is not about me. It, it's us together. And never forget that God intended to always have you in community. And he wants you to be in relationship to him and to the body of Christ as well. There's the wonder of community in prayer. Our Father. <clears throat> the second wonder is the wonder of family in prayer. Our Father. No, so we're going to switch the emphasis there for the second part. Our Father. <coughs> and we can talk about, that's where I go to with the sermon title, where it says, I call him Daddy. Now, I, I don't know what you called your father growing up. I called mine Dad. Maybe you called him, maybe, if it, maybe for you, if, if, more often than not, if it was a gal, she might call her father Daddy. <coughs> And I don't know where it would all shook down for you in terms of process. Maybe you didn't have father around very much. And for you, there's this void, this empty hole there that you would have liked to have had, but it really never materialized for you. <clears throat> or maybe you grew up in a setting in which your father was not a good influence on your life. Maybe he was abusive. 
in a multitude of different ways that created negative freight with that concept of father. And maybe there are things that God is longing to kind of heal in your heart regarding this whole issue of father. One writer that I have used in the past is named John Sanford, and he talks about father wounds that a person can have, things that have happened in a person's life <clears throat> that have the negative impact and give them a distorted picture of a heavenly father. So there's some stuff that sometimes needs to be worked through. But when we talk about this wonder of family in prayer and we say our father, there are some things that are implied by that as well. The first is this, that God is no longer distant. He's approachable. He's no longer distant. He's approachable. <clears throat> For some people, God is really far off. And, and, and it was so far off that maybe he doesn't even have any contact or connection with your life. The last thing you think of is God or Father God, if you're able to get to that point of calling him Father. But he is no longer distant. He is approachable. Romans 8 put it this way. <clears throat> you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Abba is a term of endearment. It's a, it's a word translated, Father, Father, Hebrew, Aramaic, whatever. But the, the language is simply a language of intimacy. Now, there is a sense in which that word father is used as well to, to be descriptive of more of a revered, uh, elder kind of use of the word as well. But one of the things that I, I, I want us to be aware of is that he longs to be involved in our life and he wants us to be at ease with him in a sense of intimacy. One of the things that I've discovered uh, is that there, there is a need within all of our hearts to feel the embrace of heaven, that we are accepted and that we are loved. We used it in the language of the song. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. And we are loved by him. That's who we are. And there is that intimacy, that Abba Father, that dad picture, that daddy picture that <clears throat> is a part of the wonder of the Lord's Prayer. The concept not only of community in prayer, but family in prayer. Uh, every once in a while down our way, we have advertisements for uh, adoptive services. And one of the local television persons, uh, Valerie Pritchett, down our way, uh, is, oh, seems to be the point person for uh, trying to encourage people to consider adopting a particular person. And so they'll do a brief profile of this person. This is the person's likes, dislikes. This is what he's looking for or she is looking for in terms of a family. If you're interested in becoming part of that forever family for fill in the name, please contact us at, you know, some contact information. 
perhaps you grew up in a family. And so maybe that need isn't all that pressing for you. But if you've grown up in a foster care setting, if you've grown up where you felt like you were bounced from place to place and never really had this thing called family, there's a hole that sometimes develops in a person's heart until that need is somehow met. Whether it's met through an agency or met through the initiative of, of some Christian organization to try to help give people a sense of belonging and being part of a bigger family. <clears throat> God is no longer distant from us. He's approachable. We can come to him and he longs to have us do that. Your first step in prayer is to learn to call him Father. You are the sons, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, Galatians 3 says. And in Galatians 4 it says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. There again, the concept of this picture, this word word picture of the fatherhood of God. Now, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're not a touchy-feely kind of person, you, you might feel, okay, yeah, he can be my father, and that's okay, he's cool out here. But, uh, do you like hugs? Uh, I don't know. There is something that can be absolutely wonderful about a, a good, healthy hug. There are some people that I can recall over the course of my lifetime where you knew when they were coming and they were going to say hello, you knew what you're going to get. You know, you're, maybe as a fellow is going to give you a big bear hug. And it's a healthy hug. It's not strange. It's not weird. You know, that kind of thing. You know, but, but it's a good, healthy hug. And you, and, but and there are some times when you just need to step in and give that person a good hug hug. And, and, and depending on who you are, maybe, maybe you're okay with a little, little bit of a hug, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of, and, and, and more like a pat on the back kind of thing than, than have, have you ever hugged somebody and wanted to stay there a little bit longer? Have you ever hugged somebody and wanted to get away quicker? See, I see it, it can be a variety of responses that come but the Father God, in this whole family picture, wants you to know you can come to him. He's approachable. And he calls you his sons. And, and he gives us his spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. I want you to get comfortable with calling him Dad or Daddy. I, there's one gal that uh, was in our church in New Cumberland. And... <clears throat> To this day, she still calls her father daddy. She's probably 50 now, you know, but she calls him daddy. And, and it's interesting, she calls him that, but there's a whole lot of problem with, with the relationship. And so it's not like it's a wonderful, warm kind of thing, but there's this, there's this terminology that she uses to describe it but I know that there's a longing for that to be more.
to be a higher quality, to be a, a more intimate kind of thing rather than just you know, how much money can I give you now? And, and what are you going to do to please me next? That, that kind of thing that, that can get a little bit strange at that point. Your first step is to learn to call him Father. And the Lord's Prayer is for you as a Christian. Uh, so I, I, I watched a, a story, a movie. It was kind of like an old frontier-y kind of mountain man kind of story. And some guy had made some poor choice and transgression, and he was about to be dispatched uh, on, the, on the receiving end of a, of a big musket uh, rifle. And the guy said, Pray the Lord's Prayer. Like that was going to fix everything, you know? You know, just you know, whatever people do. But, uh, and so the guy on the receiving end just starts praying the Lord's Prayer and gets it. And then, as, as it turns out, he didn't get shot. But, but, it, but sometimes, you know, you think that's a generic kind of prayer. You know, just anybody can pray that. But, you know, it really is for you as a Christ follower. In, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, this is how you ought to pray as, as a follower of Christ. It's for Christians. I can't say that it's not going to have any impact or benefit for those who are non-Christians. It certainly has some good content to it. We'll discover that as we dig in. <clears throat> but the whole approach here is a, it, it's an invitation for you as a Christ follower. It's your prayer. Use it. Use it. Last words you say at night, first words you say in the morning, whatever it may be, all through the day, however it may pop up, you just offer that because it's for you. He taught his disciples to pray this way. So be a follower of Christ and use that prayer. Use that prayer because there's that wonder of family. There's also the wonder of authority in prayer. As the verse continues on, verse 9, our Father in heaven. <clears throat> that is the, the abode or the dwelling place of God, whatever that is. It's more than geography. It's more than astronomy. I would tell you that heaven is more than that. It's accessibility. <clears throat> there is the privilege we have to gain access to our Father who is in heaven. Now, we can, we can talk about qualities of God and we can talk about his transcendence, that he is above all things, that he is his, his, his omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, you know, those kinds of things. But he's above all of that. He is transcendent. But yet, even at this prayer, even though he is in heaven, he's accessible. We can get to him. We're not limited. We're not prevented. He doesn't have... <clears throat> We don't have to take our mask off to talk to him, to be understood. He understands us. He knows us. And he's available to us. This phrase assures me that there isn't a problem he can't solve. There isn't a need that's too great that he can't address. Because he is father in heaven where his will is perfectly accomplished. We'll get to that phrase next time we come around on it. <clears throat> your kingdom come, your will be done. That's a tough spot for many of us. But the Father in heaven grants us access to the authority of God. 
the scriptures invite us to pray with that sense of authority. It's not like I'm telling God what he has to do. No, I, it, it's agreeing with the truth of God. It's agreeing that his will would be accomplished in our life. But we pray in the name of Jesus. And there are things that <clears throat> can be broken. We listened last night to a, a devotional we were sitting reading. And it was an audio version. It was by a fellow that is very much into a prayer movement and more of a prophetic kind of ministry. And he shared a story that I was, I, I was, I was amazed at. I, I was, I found it almost uh, very terribly convicting. He was telling a story about how he had encountered a gal who had experienced an accident that resulted in a severe brain injury. And, uh, there wasn't much expectation that was going to happen positively from in it, from that moving forward. And he felt God had asked him to pray for that gal and make a trip, an hour trip, uh, once a week to go and pray on site for that gal. And he did that for a whole year with no visible result. And I thought, man, would I drive an hour to go somewhere to somebody that I wasn't blood family, wasn't it was just somebody that God prompted this person to? Would I would I do that for a year? And after that year was up, <clears throat> he was contacted by the family. They said things are not going well. If you want to see this gal at all one more time, I invite you to come. And so he went. And when he went in, he said he felt faith rise in his spirit. And he prayed authoritatively in the name of Christ that Christ would heal that mind, that brain, that injury, and, and cause health to come. And he simply, it just was something that rose up. He felt that. He prayed that. He did that. <clears throat> and then that was it. He went home. Uh, later that week, received a call saying, you know, you're not going to believe this, but. And there's that sense in which we pray with authority in the name of Christ, not because we're telling God what he has to do, but because we long for him to be glorified and magnified. Because he's our father. There's community there. There's family there. And there is authority in the name of Christ. <clears throat> I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not asking you to go out and and find somebody and, and lay hands on them and, and pray over them and you know, shake something into them or out of them. You do what God prompts you to do, and do that in the manner He prompts you to do that. But there is the privilege and power of authority in the name of Christ as we pray. We do not need to be. Cowering, we do not need to be timid, just always caving in on the background. I, I, God calls us to be people who go and stand and speak. And by God's grace, may He find us in places where He can use us to be of encouragement to those around us because we pray our Father in heaven. And then there's the wonder of majesty in prayer, our Father. In heaven, 
hallowed be your name. That phrase simply reminding us of the holiness of God. May your name be made holy. This prayer is about his name, not ours. It's about him, not us. This prayer is about his fame, not ours. You look along the landscape of our world and everybody's, it seems, trying to exert their influence and their power to make a name for themselves. And whether it's in a nation's capital or whether it's in a local commonwealth capital, whether it's in a place in your local community, sometimes we have to confess that it's more about people's name than it is about the name of Christ. And sometimes there's nothing that's holy about some of those things that are being done. What does it look like when his name is not made holy? When when someone else exalts themselves or someone else has their agenda in mind, it, it looks rather carnal, fleshly. It looks sometimes evil when it's not focusing in the name of God and focusing upon the holiness of God. But there's something wonderful that can happen when we begin to hallow God's name, take it for the person who it is. When we talked about John 17 and when Jesus was talking about his name, he was talking all about his character all about who he is as a person. It's not just naming the name like anybody else's name. It's, it's recognizing that there is, a, there is a majesty involved in his name. <clears throat> I came across the song, and uh, um, I, 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 it's one of those songs where I just can't get it. I can't get it out of my head. This is not a bad thing. This is a good song to have in your head. But uh, but it, it I I don't even I don't know if it's a hymn, uh, old hymn or maybe a new new song. But it's called "Only a Holy God." Here's some of the language of the song. Who else commands all the host of heaven? Who else could make every king bow down? Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Only a holy God. What other beauty demands such praises? What other splendor outshines the sun? What other majesty rules with justice? Only a holy God. The chorus of that thing goes like this. Come and behold him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God. What other glory consumes like fire? What other power can raise the dead? What other name remains undefeated? Only a holy God. And the chorus of it just, it gets inside of you sometimes. 
It's like I speak Jesus. So we've used that song here. Who else could rescue me from my failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Only my holy God. And it's his invitation to us because of the majesty of that prayer. Let your name be made holy. I'm sure that probably intended in that is to make sure that we regard the name of God. In the Old Testament, when, when the people of God had such a high regard, I think we mentioned this when we were in John 17, they had a high regard for the name of God so that when they came to the way it was written, they wouldn't even pronounce it, Jehovah. They would substitute the, the vowel points that later were inserted to describe this same person, this person being. And they would say, Adonai. They would just kind of circumlocution, just kind of go around it because they held his name in a, in a very high regard. They hallowed his name. Let your name be holy. Frank was talking about uh, this concept of the holiness of God that was part of last week's journey in, in the Alliance 40 Days of Prayer. And I invite you to you know, kick, kick into something new if you want to stretch yourself a little bit and focus in upon the repentance. This may be a tough way to do it, but I invite you to do it and, and get in on that uh, and allow God to work in our hearts. But that whole sense of the the awesomeness, the otherness of God, the holiness of God. Our Father, there's community. There's there, there, We're invited. There's family, our Father. There's authority. You're in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And there is that whole sense of the majesty of God. It's a familiar prayer. Dangerously familiar. If we don't allow it to capture our hearts. Our Father, who art in heaven. I want you to pray with me for a little bit here. Father, uh, I've, I've been amazed at the number of places where I've encountered this prayer of late and the appropriateness of it. What would it be like if, if, as a nation, as a people, we were to get to the place where we could say this with genuine meaning? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We need that corporately. We confess that need. We confess that need because people don't even know they have that need. We long for you to disclose yourself, reveal yourself, show yourself to people who think they've got it all figured out, know all the answers, know precisely what needs to be done. When it's not about them, it's about you. Thank you, Father, that you included this content in that teaching on a mount. At that time of prayer, when you showed and told your disciples, you want to know how to pray? Here, say this.
And I know it's not a formula. It's not simply by reciting magical words. It's allowing the heart of that prayer to capture our heart so that we will no longer be distant from you, but we'll move in for a healthy, holy hug. The embrace of the Father. Father, I don't know where everybody comes from who's here today in this journey. It may be that there are father deficits in their world. Maybe dad didn't measure up. Maybe dad was absent. Maybe he was present but distracted. Maybe he chose to spend time and money and other things rather than the family. We don't have control over all that stuff, but we do have control over our response. And we ask, Father, that you would just disclose yourself anew and afresh to us. We yield all the deficiencies to you, where it seemed like um, that Father was just not there, or or he didn't represent you well. We yield all of that to you and ask you, Father, to grant healing and help in our journey. But don't let us miss the privilege we have to call you Dad. We will hallow your name, but thank you that there is intimacy. There's a there's a relationship that we have with you. And we long to experience your holy hug and embrace of us. We are loved by you. That's who we are. So minister to each one as you know the need in their own heart right now. And we will thank you for what you will do. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.